Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, what he called the Gospel or Good News about the Kingdom of God. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, what actually is the Christian Gospel? What did Jesus challenge his audiences to believe as the Gospel or Good News? What did Jesus mean by the phrase so often found on his lips, the kingdom of God? When did you last hear a preacher or evangelist invite you to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God? That's the way Jesus invited his audiences to come to faith, as we find in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It seems strange to us that in the mass of preaching and teaching, and Bible information available across the length and breadth of America, we very seldom hear anybody stop to ask the most fundamental question of all, what is the gospel? That's about like saying, what is the Christian faith? What is Christianity? What was and what is the teaching of Jesus Christ? Those concerns are summed up equally well then in the question, what is the gospel or good news? We know, of course, that the word gospel simply means good news. It's the announcement of the most significant and most important information ever given by one human being to the human race. And that human person was Jesus Christ, the very agent of the one God, his Father. Jesus spoke the very words of God. He was an expression of the wisdom and truth that comes from the one God, his Father. Those are the claims of Jesus Christ. He claimed to be speaking as the direct and infallible representative of the one God, his Father. Now, if those are the claims of Jesus Christ, and of course we Christians believe that he was absolutely truthful when he made those claims, then it must follow that we ought to hang on every word of Jesus to make sure we have fully understood the precious message that came through him from the Creator of heaven and earth, the one God of the Bible. Now, Jesus' message has a label. It is conveniently and neatly summarized for us. It's compressed in a single slogan, and that slogan is emphasized over and over again in the accounts of the teaching of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke particularly, we find an absolutely clear emphasis on that name of the good news as Jesus presented it. It's not just any old good news, or even just news about how God loves you, although, of course, it contains those things and includes those things. No, it's a much more focused message, and it has a label. That label is the kingdom of God. Jesus always preached about the kingdom. Now, that means that the gospel is both the actual message on the lips of Jesus as well as the facts about his death and resurrection. It's very easy for Bible readers to forget that simple fact. Often we hear the gospel described as simply the death and resurrection of Jesus, but we don't hear the gospel as described by the words that Jesus attached to the gospel. He called it the message about the kingdom of God. And when he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he was not, in the early stages of his ministry, saying a word about his death and resurrection. Now, that leads to one very simple conclusion. 
The gospel is more than the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you look through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the early chapters, you'll find that in all of those three accounts, Jesus and his chosen apostles were preaching what is called the gospel. But at that stage, they weren't saying a word about his death and resurrection. For one thing, the apostles didn't even believe at that stage of their preaching that Jesus was going to die. And you'll find in Luke, the 18th chapter, around about the 30th verse or so, that when Jesus then, for the third time, put his announcement to the apostles that he was going to die and be raised, they didn't even understand it or believe it. And yet, if you'll check carefully, they had been preaching the gospel of the kingdom with Jesus way before that time. That's a simple conclusion, then. We draw from those obvious facts. The kingdom gospel is part of the gospel, certainly. But the death and resurrection is also part of the gospel. You have to put those two factors together. The gospel, in other words, is a two-pronged message. It contains information about the death and resurrection of Jesus and his sitting at the right hand of the Father now, waiting for the second coming. But it is summarized, it is compressed and given us in a convenient shorthand form as the gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, what does the word kingdom mean? Well, kingdom means kingdom, not surprisingly. And it's not just a kingdom in your heart. In the world of Jesus' language, the word kingdom does not just mean an interiorized, non-external kingdom in the hearts. Oh, no, it means a real kingdom, a political kingdom, which is going to be established on this earth as a result of the second coming of Jesus. In fact, the purpose of the second coming of Jesus is precisely to inaugurate, to initiate a new world revolutionary government on this earth of which he, Jesus, and the saints will be the leaders and supervisors. Now that simple truth is found in page after page and in text after text of our Bibles. Jesus, you see, claimed to be the Messiah and the word Messiah simply means the chosen king of Israel. The Messiah in the Bible means the chosen agent of God, God's co-regent, the one who represents God on the throne of David. And so in Mark chapter 11, verse 10, you'll find the people saying, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. That's what the kingdom of God almost always means in the accounts of Jesus' ministry. Now, it's true that in some specialized sense, it may have the meaning of the kingdom as a promise now, as a message now. It may sometimes mean those who are being chosen and trained to represent that kingdom, to be that kingdom in the future. But the primary and dominant meaning of the word kingdom of God in the New Testament is the kingdom which will be established on the earth when Jesus returns. Now, if you have a pencil and piece of paper handy... I would invite you to write down the following text so that you can study this matter for yourselves. The kingdom of God, as we've been saying, is the heart and the soul of everything that Jesus preached about. And so if we love Jesus, we will want to understand him at this central point in his teaching. In Revelation chapter 11, we find a marvelously illuminating text about what the kingdom of God is. This verse provides for us a kind of anchor point in our thinking about the kingdom. Let me redo that verse from chapter 11 of the book of Revelation and beginning at verse 15. We read here that the seventh angel sounded, 
There's a sequence here of seven angels, and they're blowing trumpets. And when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, there arise loud voices in heaven, the text says. And they say the following words. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, I want you to understand that John is here transported in vision into the future, and he's seeing a time when the kingdom of God replaces the kingdom of the world, that's to say the present nation states and their political organization. So this is obviously a tremendous historical event that we're being privileged to see here in the book of Revelation. And it's only at the seventh trumpet, which is obviously here in the future, it hasn't happened yet, the kingdom of the world is transferred to the kingdom of God and of God's Messiah, that's to say his Christ, Jesus in other words. At that point in verse 16, the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. And they said, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. I'm reading there from the New American Standard Version, which correctly translates that verb there as begun to reign. That's the kingdom verb, obviously. When God begins to reign at the seventh trumpet, the kingdom of God is inaugurated. And then verse 18 says, And the nations were enraged, and God's wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged. And the time also came for the reward to be given to your bondservants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who are destroying the earth. And so you see very clearly there a strong connection between the coming of the kingdom, the inauguration of the kingdom, and God's wrath, and the destruction of those who are destroying the earth. Now, that's quite clearly Judgment Day, as we sometimes call it. It's also, you notice, Resurrection Day, the day when the resurrected faithful are brought to life precisely in order to take part in that kingdom of God for which they had been praying, Thy kingdom come. And so that passage in Revelation 11, verses 15 to 18, is a marvelously illuminating passage and gives us a very clear picture of when the kingdom of God is coming. You may remember that on one occasion, the Pharisees asked Jesus exactly that question. When is the kingdom of God coming? You see, they knew that the kingdom of God was an event of the future. Now, on that occasion, Jesus answered them in a very interesting way. You will find that in Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. There he said, the kingdom of God is among you, as it really should be translated almost certainly. The King James Version there, kingdom of God is within you, is very unlikely to be a correct translation. The modern versions have corrected the mistake, and they have Jesus there saying, the kingdom of God is among you. On that occasion then, Jesus was calling attention to the fact that he as king was standing there right in front of them, and they hadn't observed this. They hadn't taken note of that stupendous fact. But that's not the main meaning for the term kingdom of God as Jesus used it. Remember, for instance, he said, we're to pray, thy kingdom come. Now, that request that we pray, thy kingdom come, obviously means that the kingdom of God has not yet come. You don't pray for something to come if it's already there. That's just plain English. 
The kingdom of God is future then in the Lord's Prayer. In fact, in the earlier sentence in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Hallowed be thy name. And as modern commentators have helped us to see, that almost certainly is parallel to the request, Thy kingdom come. It doesn't just mean, May God's name be held in holy reverence and awe now. It means, May God manifest his name worldwide and publicly at the second coming. And so, Thy kingdom come and hallowed be thy name both refer to our burning desire as Christians to have the kingdom of God appear publicly and dramatically and cataclysmically at the end of this age so that the present world systems may be replaced by the kingdom of God which will mean peace and prosperity and an era of unparalleled joy which will extend right across the globe from Jerusalem which at that time will be the headquarters of the new kingdom of God on the earth. Blessed are the meek, said Jesus. They're going to inherit the kingdom of God or inherit the earth. Those two things mean the same thing. When you inherit the kingdom in the future, you inherit the earth with Jesus and you rule with him in the messianic kingdom. The first stage of that kingdom will be a thousand years. That's known as the millennium, described in Revelation 20. Now, the length of time of that first stage is mentioned, in fact, only in that one passage, as a thousand years. But the idea of ruling with Christ in the kingdom and reigning with him in that kingdom is found on page after page and text after text of our New Testament. And indeed, it's found massively also in the Hebrew prophets, in the Old Testament prophets of our Bible. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to join us again as we continue to probe these most vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.